All right. I like this tune very much. I've loved it many, many years. It's called The Sermon. And the the key player here is Jimmy Smith on organ. Uh, also, we have Lee Morgan on trumpet, Lou Donaldson on alto sax, Tina Brooks on tenor sax, Kenny Burrell on guitar, and Art Blakey on drums. This is from uh, the 1958 album of the same name, The Sermon. Uh, Jimmy Smith died on February the 8th, 2005, at the age of 79, but leaves a treasure trove of extraordinary compositions, great music, and uh, he's one of my favorites. This is Lead Stories, I'm Eutrice Lead, and a pretty somber day today, but we'll talk about it just the same. Uh, as you know, the, the world, I say we, meaning the, the world, as of today, is officially at war. Uh, we had Vladimir Putin, who is the president of the Soviet, once the Soviet Union, but now it's just called Russia. And there was a massive invasion of, uh, let me get my notes here, a massive invasion, all the warnings that were rebuffed and denied, well, we, we see that they, they're true. Uh, a massive invasion occurred and still is occurring uh, since Putin has vowed and he has vowed for years to reclaim what he considers to be uh, land and territory in uh, Ukraine. It's a question, I mean, there's always war. And that sounds even trite to say it that way. But what I want to ask you today to kind of help us understand, what is the impact of this on you? What are you feeling? What is this all about? And can we, there's a sense of helplessness and hopelessness that we, we are so far outside of the circles of power that there's very little that we can do except wait to see if cooler heads prevail, if there are people who, uh, I mean, nations that are going to intercede and insist on some kind of a rapprochement and uh, this would come to an end, but it seems only to be getting worse, more intense, more dug in. So I'm asking you, since we are at war, when I say we, I mean 
The whole world is at war. When two powerful nations like this are at war, at least one of them, the former Soviet Union, and we see the intention of Putin to sub subdue a whole nation and get what he came for, which is the, the land that he thinks is rightfully belonging to the Soviet or the then Soviet Union and now Russia. So, I mean, we can't fathom the kind of thinking that goes on in these circles because we simply have a whole different level of relating to the world. We are not uh, seeing ourselves as in charge of the world, owning the world, being able to command forces of hundreds of thousands of soldiers and uh, directing money that should go to human development uh, to the development of tanks and and the apparatus of war. But this is how they live. This is their world. In their world, this matters. And we, we come to this point. We have come to this point so many times in history where logic would have dictated an, an entirely different approach but this is not about logic this is about raw power and the individuals who are in the center of this stage they're at the center of the stage and the light is shining on them and they feel compelled to react in a particular way. After all, they have a country. They own a country. And in their heads, they have to, they have to step up to the plate. They have to conquer. They have to vanquish the enemy. And then, as we see also from the historical record, years and years will pass and then things cool down and life comes full circle. But in the middle of it all, when it is happening like it is today or it was yesterday, we can't help but sympathize with the people who are caught in this maelstrom of unspeakable violence. But what does that mean to you and me? Are we concerned because, simply because we feel we are protected by distance Sure, distance from the craziness gives us a, an illusion that we have nothing to worry about. That's their problem, not ours. We have a different set of problems. 
Or do we think about the inevitability that one day soon we could be caught in such a situation where our very lives are determined by other people and forces beyond our control. So I thought I would ask you, considering that this thing is getting crazier, but it's the first full day of warfare. It was forecast. It was all but guaranteed to happen. And here we are. What are your thoughts today? 888-874-4888 is the number to call to express your point of view. And I would really appreciate it if you can stretch out a little bit and see yourself. If you were if you were in Ukraine right now, would you feel the same way? Would you have different thoughts and concerns? How would you feel? Should we be concerned in the United States of organizing a very clear uh, movement that says we do not approve, do not fight for us? We, we, we don't approve of this. We condemn it. So do not automatically assume that we're okay with it because we're good citizens and whatever the president thinks he needs to do, well, he needs to do. Do we yield all, every single scintilla of power and influence that we have, or do we make it known that this is not what we signed up for. This is not something that we feel compatible with. 888-874-4888. You notice there hasn't been very much attention being given to how people feel. Regular people, working people, the elderly, the young, how are Americans feeling about this? Daryl from Brooklyn, how are you feeling about this? Patrice Lead, you hurt my feelings. I did? Hello? Yes, Daryl from the Bronx. From Bronx, okay, sorry. No, it's all right, you're not sorry. You're one of the great ones. You give us a chance to speak. First of all, I'm not at war. My money is maybe tied up with what uh, small amount of capital I have in this country, but I'm doing pretty fine. Now, what I want to know is Mr. Putin met with Mr. Xi a couple of weeks ago, and um, 
during the quote-unquote pandemic, a lot of those fracked gas situations out in the in the western states in Pennsylvania, they had to close down because um, couldn't sell the gas. Now, what if I'm going to give you the conspiracy theory of what if this but, is all? But, but don't give me a conspiracy theory. Hold it on. Hold on to it for another day. I want to know your immediate and as you can de- determine your your sincerest reaction today. How do my, you feel as being part of this whole theatrical production? Ah, uh, okay. Um, I'm sort of sad that I don't have enough money to put into the market because if you notice, the market went from 36 to 33 May if, if Putin keep sending in the jets the way he did. I mean, he bombed Kiev. Ooh, what a nasty man. So if it drops to 32, I'll just wish that I had had the money to be in the game. So you're completely outside of this whole connection about what is your role as a citizen at this time? My role as a citizen is to get my government to pass the Build Back Better bill so I can get some money. Okay. Well, thanks for calling and contributing. Gwen well, from New York, you're on the air. <laughs> Hello, you trees. Hello, Gwen. Okay. Daryl was very clear about what he wanted. Okay, I was thinking, I had a, a, a lot of thoughts come in this morning. I've been listening, I was listening to the BBC. One thing that was really, um, well, I was actually astounded they had somebody on that was speaking uh, about the other side, and, and this was somebody who was living in Ukraine who was talking about uh, the, the reason this is happening. I think that it is very important that people keep clear that we put our tanks on their border, and they have been there for eight years, and they have not been happy. And I know the United States wouldn't have even tolerated it for eight years. So before you start slamming them, Ask yourself, how would you feel if they rolled up their tanks to Canada or Mexico? How would you feel about that? Then we shoved a, 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 a president down their throat that was basically a puppet president. It was uh, Donna Shalala was over there and a lot of American people trying to see this election come through. A lot of people called it a coup d'etat and uh, didn't feel that this was, this was an honest election. You know, surprise, surprise. But, you know, we've been maneuvering behind the scenes for Oh, sorry, these cats are going crazy. We've been maneuvering behind the scenes for a long time. And we've been poking the bear in the eye for a long time. And now he has had enough. And everybody is shocked and, and, and talking about how benevolent the United States is and, you know, uh, that uh, this guy is a beast. But, I mean, what else was he supposed to do? We backed him into a corner. So that So right after this man got speaking on BBC this morning about that point of view, there was a representative from the United States who got on and, and literally uh, uh, berated uh, uh, the interviewer, saying that he couldn't believe they were allowing the other point of view to be aired on the BBC radio. Oh, wow, that's amazing. I mean, I was surprised that they were letting it happen, too, because it's actually what is supposed to happen in journalism. That is what people need to hear. They need to hear both sides. 
so that was um, really astounding to me that, that we had this American uh, diplomat get on and, 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 and first, you know, chastise BBC Radio for, for talking about both sides. And uh, then they started talking about who was going to be bombed in these areas. I'm a little bit concerned about old people these days. You know, they seem to be the brunt of the, of the pandemic. And uh, it sounds that the people who live in this region, there's a lot of old people who live in this region. And they simply can't move. And I guess they simply don't matter because they're old people. And so I guess, if, if, you know, the people that were sitting down thinking about bombing, well, you know, we'll bomb this area out. There's not, there's not, we're not going to hurt too many young people. But, you know, I just think there's such a, a callousness and a viciousness to that, too. I really think, uh, I feel very sad about what's happening. I think that, um, I think that we need to not have a United States stand up against the world. I think we have to have a world stand up against the world. When we can see that some kind of inkling of that happening with the pandemic, it hasn't just been the United States that has said no to mandatory vaccines. We have seen people organizing now from a worldwide point of view. And I don't see anybody in the world, regular citizens, that are saying this is a fantastic idea. I think people are, we are war-weary already from the 18-year war we've had here in the United States. But citizens around the world are also weary from having to endure this pandemic for the last two years, watching their finances go down the toilet, uh, people die around them. Lots and lots of old people died from something that really is probably preventable. And I think people are just like, you are so not going to get me to jump on this train. So um, I think that all of the elected officials are feeling like everybody's, including Vladimir Putin, he should not just get out there and think people are going to just jump on this train. Although I would say if I was living there, that I would probably understand his point of view. I would understand it. And I would ask the United States to back down, get rid of their missiles just in the name of peace. Just move your missiles out of there. They're not bothering you, and, and I believe that, you know, if we, were, if we have moved our missiles, that a lot of this would just come down. A lot of it would just calm down. But I think as long as we keep poking them in the eye and keep, uh, you know, challenging them, we're going to have a problem here. So, I, I mean, I, I don't, and I don't really think it's our, I don't think it's our, uh, our right or our privilege to constantly tell everybody in the world how to do their business. I mean, there's a lot of people in Russia that are very happy with the way their government works. Who are we to, to go over them and tell them, listen, this is, this is the way we like it. So we're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to insert. Joe Biden. So far, how is his reaction hitting you? I think, I think his reaction is looking very weak and he knew he was going to look very weak and he does know how serious it is he knows much more than the talking head idiots on tv know that this could easily slide into world war three easily and i i don't know i i, I would not know how to advise him if i was him uh, if I was uh, on his staff, I really would not know how to advise him. But I think I would have told him from the get-go, you need to get out of there. You need to get your, you need to get your, your forces off their border. And I think, you know, if we had done that, then, then a lot of this could have been avoided. And, and, and really, what do we need to be there for anyway? 
But I'm sure there's other people that are going to call today that will fill in this question of what do we need to have our forces there? This is something I'm going to throw out to everybody else, you know. What, what do you think we need to be there for? Is there really a reason for us to have our tanks on the border of their country? It would just be interesting to, to see, see what other people know and find out that information. But in my opinion, well, we, we fulfill that wish right now. Thanks so much for calling in and contributing today. Henry from Chicago, you're on the air. Henry, what does this gone. day, what is this day doing to your psyche, to your soul, to your spirit? <laughs> well, you know, you did a you did a lecture some years ago on reading between the lies. And when I look at this coverage uh, going on in the Ukraine and the coverage of Putin, sometimes I sometimes I wish I didn't look so deep into the media <laughs> as you taught years ago, because uh, you stated this, and many others who are very media savvy have stated this. It's not just about what they say, but what they don't say. And I'm seeing a lot of what they don't say. So in the middle of all this, this, this crisis that's going on in Ukraine, is one particular man named uh, Vladimir Putin, who is the president of Russia. And they call him all kind of names, dictator, murderer, uh, you know, uh, despot, you know, whatever. But they rarely, rarely give any statistics on how many people he's killed, uh, what countries he invaded. This was probably the first country, quote-unquote, he invaded. Uh, what has he done as a dictator? Because when we talk about dictators in the past, there are many measurables that we can, that we can give, starting with Adolf Hitler, starting with, Hale, starting with any other dictator in history that you can that you can name, there's always measurables. There's never any measurables from the media on what you know why Vladimir Putin is what he is. So I'm always listening and hearing what this is. Now, when you're talking about today's events and you're talking about you know the so-called uh, invasion of, of 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 the Ukraine by the Russians. You know, I always look at it from a standpoint of am I what am I looking at? What am I looking at? Am I looking at something that's real? Because, you know, we are all so far away. You know, they, they're saying that, you know, they're bombing Kiev. Uh, there, there's a lot of, you know, military action going on. And, uh, and, 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 and unfortunately for us, we just don't know because of the fact that we don't trust the media to tell us the truth. And so, like, last week, Vladimir Putin had uh, explained about the genocide that was going on in, in Davos, uh, which is the eastern part of Ukraine, which has uh, ethnic Russians, and was talking about uh, the, the, uh, the, the genocide that was going on by Ukrainians uh, against Russians. So, and then they basically called him a flat-out liar without, no any, without any evidence on why he should be lying. And then secondly, and this is talked about back when we were talking about the, the Crimea crisis, there is a, there was a paramilitary group called the, uh, uh, the, a, the, Az, uh, uh, the Azov, I think that's what it's called. And they're a neo-Nazi group. 
that is actually integrated into the Ukraine military. And nobody in mainstream media is talking about that, which, which is the second thing of, of, of why they're not talking about, why are we supporting neo-Nazis? And so my, my last point is, this should concern us because of the fact that when we're talking about imperialism and in some respects capitalism, we are being affected by it here because when we're talking about us, especially black folks, we're colonized people. And so that, that effect of imperialism is happening here in our cities, in Chicago, in New York, and in any other place, any other metropolitan place that, you know, black and brown people live at. We're under the scope of gentrification. And from what I see from, 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 from this standpoint, uh, they're trying to gentrify the Russians uh, uh, over in, in the Ukraine so they can, you know, they can get a good plot of land to, you know, make their money, you know, take control of the pipeline, take it, probably take it from Russia, so they won't, you know, so they won't have this economic relation with, you know, with the, with the European Union. So I think this has everything to do with us. I think this is uh, uh, what we suffer here is just a microcosm of what the United States have been doing across the world. And when we look at who the aggressors are, the aggressors is the United States. Vladimir Putin, like I said, I am no big fan of Vladimir Putin, but he is just doing a defensive move trying to protect his people, which I don't blame. Okay. So let me ask you one little question here. On the whole, are you seriously affected in any way today, consciously affected by what the developments are and have been? Yes, I'm very much affected because of the fact that I've never had any moral confidence in this country. But now it is just to a point where that's all thrown out the window. This country has absolutely no moral currency at all. And I, I think the last caller, uh, I forgot her name. She's a, she's a regular caller. Um, Gwen. Um, Gwen. Gwen, yes, Gwen. And I think she's right where she's saying that there are people who are tired of this. And the United States is not getting a lot of support from this. They're getting some support, but they're not getting a lot of support. And to the caller that called yesterday, the, your last caller, I think his name was Bill, he said something that was really, really incorrect when he said that uh, war, you know, sometimes war, bring, you know, the, the wars that, that we've had had brought people together in this country. And that is not correct. When the Vietnam War happened, this country was split. When we're talking about World War II, we still had segregation. Troops were, uh, black troops were still separate in, in, in separate encampments. And then when they came home, they were being Jim Crowed. They were being attacked after serving this country. So we, we're not even going to go and discuss about the earlier wars that had happened that has 
really split this country. So I think that is factually incorrect when he has said that. So, yes, I, I think this, this country has no moral currency left. Wow. Thank you, Henry. Thanks for your treatise today. Ed from Queens, you're on the air. Hello, Patrice. How are you? I'm okay, Ed. Thank you. And you? You know me on the phone. <laughs> hanging, on, hanging, in. <laughs> hanging by your thumbs. Hanging on, hanging in. Well-developed appendages, believe me. Uh, you said, your question was, I believe, how does this make you feel or personally on a, on a local level as far as uh, the attack or alleged attack on yeah. Ukraine by Russia? How, how are you taking this all in? What sense are you making of what has happened now that is no question war is the order of the day? Well, I, it, it makes me apprehensive. I mean, I was in that region during the, the Bosnian affair when I was in the service. And uh, I, I'm familiar with the region. I'm familiar with the people of the region. From a personal level, I feel sorry for the people there because that section of the world, like like other large sections of the world, is constantly at war. There are blood feuds, there are personal feuds, there are tin pot dictators and and, uh, and, and, and people of ill nature and uh, corruption. So the, the common man always suffers, and that's what happens over there. The common man suffers. So my heart goes out to those people. From a geopolitical aspect, I, I think people are missing. Putin is not just doing this as a flex or a show of force, he's doing this to show his future ally, China, what he's capable of doing. Because you bet your bottom dollar, if he gets away with this, this will give the green light for China to go into Taiwan. And once they make that consolidation between the Russian bear and the Asian dragon, America's off the map. And Biden's decision will be will have a consequence for the next 50 years as far as who is in power on this globe and who is calling the shot. And Putin is arranging himself because Putin's history is, is being an oligarch. I believe he was involved with the Russian mafia. Um, I believe he also was involved in corruption with the Soviet when it, when it was the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. So he's got a lot of on his plate. He's not so much a dictator as he is a manipulator. And he's trying to put himself and his country in a position to where they are top dog underneath underneath China. I believe all of this you know, on the greatest state on the greatest stage is for the benefit of China to show China who's going to be top dog underneath them in the coming uh, in the coming hundred years or fifty years uh, as far as how the world shakes out geopolitically. And I think people are mis are, are misreading that. This is not just about the Ukraine. Ukraine has been in dispute for several hundred, for about a hundred years, ever since World War One, and uh, it's floated in and out of the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, floated out after the breakup. So that that country, that certainly has always been in some dispute. But the real, the real uh, thing we need to look at is how China responds to this and what happens over there, and that it bodes my my consciousness. It, it really makes me wonder because things are going so to So let me ask you, what, how do you think China will react then? 
Well, to be totally honest with you, I think her opinion is going to take it to you because he's going to make a move on Taiwan. Because Taiwan has always been uh, a thorn in China's side. It's been the country outside of the country. And America has played a major part in keeping Taiwan out of the hands of, uh, of mainland China. And the Taiwanese people do not want to go back. They, they like their, their, their pseudo-democracy, for want of a better world. And they like their free market. And China wants Taiwan because Taiwan is a strategic asset to China in the South China Sea. So, uh, you know, if, if Putin get away with this, China, uh, uh, President Ping might say, hey, let's go for it. They're not going to stop all right. Thank you so much, Ed, for contributing today so meaningfully, as usual. Thank you. Brother Dave from Brooklyn, you're on the air. Uh, good afternoon, Trace. Good afternoon. Uh, I think the question was, uh, what do we think? Well, what comes to mind for me is that any uh, confrontation like this uh, precipitated in this case by the United States, uh, I'd say the number one imperial power in the world, uh, makes those people who manufacture and sell arms uh, joyous because there's a possibility of uh, hitting the jackpot in terms of making and selling armaments to uh, this country instead of spending the money on the people who live here. So that's what it makes me think. Uh, as far as the situation in Ukraine, uh, I see it as uh, uh, somewhat of an um, uh, 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 argument between people in the country, a civil war to uh, some extent, uh, precipitated by the overthrow of the government uh, with the complicity of the imperial policy of the United States. So uh, the American government's hand is in this particular case. Uh, but this is dangerous because this is uh, a time when the American government the imperial government that runs the country here, is messing with another very powerful empire that is nuclear armed. Uh, they can go around pushing smaller countries all over the world, and they do. They're involved with uh, numerous bases all over the world, and they can essentially do what they want in all the weak, small countries. But now they're messing with a big dog. They, they can't mess with Russia like they do with all the small countries that we're involved with, with our intelligence people, and uh, we have all kinds of control over smaller places as an imperial nation that is after uh, all kinds of resources, human and natural. So this is very dangerous. Uh, I also think that uh, uh, I would not want to see uh, American troops go over to Ukraine and start tangling with the Russians. That, to me, is, uh, uh, I think that is a very 
dangerous and possibly losing cause. So that is what's coming to my mind. And uh, I, I think that uh, uh, Biden uh, did a, uh, let's say, a, made a big mistake uh, when he suggested that uh, he's going to get involved with this NATO organization that, as far as I'm concerned, shouldn't exist at all. What are we doing to sending our troops to Europe to get involved in uh, a civil war in Ukraine or being over there at all? I don't see any reason for that. So that is what's coming to my mind. And uh, overall, it doesn't seem good. Thank you very much for your sobering thoughts today. Thank you. Jeremiah from Harlem, you're on the air. How are you today, Utrecht? Well, okay, Jeremiah, how are you? Number I'm actually in Miami, so I was having a relaxed day, and then I was listening to your program, and I was trying to hold back, but I actually was compelled to call, first of all, I have to say, by the lack of emotion in all the previous callers. It just really bothers me, the sang-froid. Which, with which we discuss these matters. You know, it's like we put more emotion into trivialities from our celebrity culture than the fact that, you know, human beings are being destroyed. They're being massacred. You know, it's like Dr. King said, and so many have said in various phrases over the epics, that, you know, an injustice to one is an injustice to all. You know, we should all feel threatened by the idea that our lives could be extinguished because these powerful people with their power-hungry agendas can just destroy people. I mean, you know, I've been to Kiev twice um, in the past four years, and it's just a beautiful city. I've traveled vastly, and it's a city that, that holds a special place in my heart. I was greeted there very warmly. I was very impressed by the culture. The city itself is remarkable in a lot of ways. It's more impressive than the city that I reside in, New York City, which gets so much credit. Kiev is so much cleaner. Um, it's more cultural in its presentation. And, you know, I mean, any city, regardless of how sophisticated or unsophisticated it may be, should not be leveled, should not be subjected to bombing. And a person like Vladimir Putin, I mean, he's effectively a dictator. You know, he was out of power briefly when he installed the puppet, uh, Megvedev. Um, I'm trying to use the proper pronunciation, but I kind of withdrew there at the last second. My wife corrected me with a good pronunciation. But Megvedev, as we would say in the anglicized sort of pronunciation, he was a puppet who was there for, you know, one term or two. I think it was one. To say, oh, look, we're not a dictatorship being controlled by Putin behind the scenes. Once he was done um, being puppeteered, Putin promptly resumed power, and he's been planning on this for his entire life, basically. You know, it's the Hitler in concept of a people define themselves through war, that war should be fought every generation to, to show the might of your nation and the might of your culture. And we should just all be more disgusted in general by the concept of war. You know, when you see these instances of the police brutality where people were senselessly killed on the streets of various American cities, it led to great protests, and rightfully so. But then we should also understand, just like the boys in blue are up to no good, the boys in green 
are up to even worse because they have bigger guns and they're fighting in foreign jurisdictions and there is no constitution or no laws to speak of to even restrain them in their actions. So, you know, I don't know how this will ever end, and I don't just mean this particular war, but just mm-hmm. this notion on this planet Earth that we have the right at any point to destroy other human beings. It's like my good friend Tree, who's a resident poet of my group Earth Driver, has said over and over again, when you hear the word war, understand that that simply means organized murder and rape. There's nothing sophisticated about it. There's nothing enlightened about it. There's nothing justifiable about it. These actions are just simply atrocities. So, you know, I was a little bit saddened by the lack of emotion of the previous callers and particularly kind of offended by the caller who's saying, oh, well, I should have checked my stock portfolio or whatever. I mean, what kind of heartless thing does that say? People are actually losing their lives. So that's my statement for Miami Beach today, Utrecht. But I wish people were just basically take in the humanity of the situation a little bit more and not just pretend that this is a technical matter. It is a human catastrophe that's unfolded. Thank you for calling in and contributing. Thank you so much. Rick from Connecticut, you're on the air. Hello, you trees. Hello. Hi. I just want to, I have a confession to make. Back during the infamous, um, Christmas cool when you were on another station. Um, you and Hugh Hamilton came in, and I always suspected you because I was such a loyal BI listener, and you came in. I'm like, who is this person? But then I found out who you were, and I've been listening ever since. So I just wanted to tell you, um, you know, you're a remarkable person. I listen every day. Um, just, oh, thank just, uh, you. Yeah. But what are your feelings so far on this particular day when we have learned? that it is, in fact, all-out war. Being a veteran, you know, I was in the Air Force back in the early 80s, um, so I learned quite a bit after my service years when I started hearing the truth about why, uh, you know, things happened as they did. But one thing that's left out that they used to speak about um, frequently was Crimea and the resource, this one resource in Crimea, called Kogne, um, also found in the Congo, um, what we use to make the cell phones, laptops, computers, and stuff like that. I know that was like a prize mineral. Um, and I'm wondering if that still plays a part in America's interest over there because um, Ukraine and Crimea is pretty much, I mean, it's hard. In most sections, it's hard to separate from Russia's like culture and many places over there. So, like, that's, like, us in Cuba or something like that. You know, like, uh, you know, we're we're really trampling on their space uh, right at their doorstep. And so I can't really blame Putin and the Russians about feeling some kind of way about our encouraging more and more as the, you know, the NATO alliance moves farther east after they were promised it wouldn't happen. But, of course, they did, you know. So I mixed feelings is sad, you know, that the prospect of war still looms over us. Um, but um, I, that's all. But I you're not you're not telling us how it is resonating with you personally. 
I will my I personally feel like kind of be, like a sense of betrayal. Like here we go again, and you know it's not for any good purpose, any good reason other than somebody uh, to be enriched by it. You know, and um, many lives will be lost, and you know it's terrible. You know, that's pretty much how I feel about it. Okay, thank you for contributing today. Thanks so much. Lincoln from New York, you're on the air. Hey, Idris. Hey, Lincoln, what's going on? <laughs> How are you feeling right. on this day? Uh, when um have confer- consolation, war has been declared, and people are getting into it. I am feeling the way I felt about a lot of political issues. I mean that um, I'm feeling sorry that the people are so deceived by what is going on. And, you know, a fellow yesterday, um, the last fellow who spoke yesterday is actually, there's no disrespect to him, but is actually an example of how deceived the people are. I really love what Henry said today. He was the most accurate person today. Um, to, and I'm saying, I'm feeling deceived because of what America has done. They lie to us about so many things. Like, for example, in order to understand what's going on right now and to understand how I'm feeling, you have to go back to the Wolfowitz Doctrine, or which was eventually called the Bush Doctrine. And also, you have to think about Nord Stream 2, the Wolfowitz It was the USA who revived the, the Cold War. And uh, as you understand the Wolfowitz Doctrine, where they say no power was supposed to become as great as the U.S., and that Russia was going to be contained. Uh, and um, you have to also understand what happened with, with um, the promises that were broken, the promises gave, given to, to, um, to, to Gorbachev and Yeltsin in 19, I think 1991, 1992, where Yeltsin uh, and two other people um, uh, from, from Ukraine and, and, and another place, I forgot, um, and they, they, they decided to disband the Soviet Union. At the time, Yeltsin was the president of, of Russia, and Gorbachev um, was the president of the whole Soviet Union. And, but Yeltsin saw it fit to break up the Soviet Union because he would now, his, his power would increase because it would no longer be the Soviet Union and the Warsaw Pact would be broken up and Yeltsin would assume an authority over, over Russia, which was the greater part of the Soviet Union. And Yeltsin came to the USA, spoke, you know, addressed Congress, a joint session, and he, he said to them, hey, we want peace. We, uh, but but, we, but, but we, we, we want a promise from you, and the promise was that they would not extend NATO's border. They did, they broke the promise and extended NATO's border. And what are people leaving out? Putin is not a dictator. Putin came and he asked them to allow Russia to become a part of NATO, and they rejected him. Putin was not trying to be a strong man. He, he tried to enter into NATO, but the USA did not want that. They said, oh, you're too powerful. And then the, the next thing that 
uh, they did, and, and therefore, so remember what happened in 2014 when when Obama sent what's his name um, Biden to 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 overthrow that um, the leader the the the, 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 the lawfully elected leader. Um, who was more sympathetic towards Russia. They overthrew him in 2014, and this present fellow who's in, they, he was a puppet for the USA. And, uh, for, and, and Biden and his son, they were being paid to, 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 to do Ukraine's bidding. Um, the, one, the thing people also misunderstand is um, Russia supplies about 40% of Europe's... Um, um, energy, you know, the, the, and with the Nord Stream 2, it would increase to about 80%, which would um, actually displace the USA, and it would, it would make European nations become more friendly with Russia. And the USA does not want that, especially in the face of the fact that China and Russia are coming closer together. And the two places that, Donbass and the other place, uh, that, that people claim that um, Russia invaded, um, what do you call it, um, um, Ukraine. It's not Ukraine's property. They're, they're really independent properties, almost similar to Taiwan. And, and, so, and they're mostly Russian-speaking people. And, and the U.S. just, they're using Putin as, as the boogeyman. And, and because most people don't know the facts and don't investigate these things, it's easy for them to say, oh, he's a bad guy, he's a good guy, like they did with um, people like, um, like, like, like Gaddafi. Even in the face of him doing such great things for his people, they were able to demonize him. And in this country, <laughs> they, they, they're quick to just jump and go along with everything, you know, without even looking at things in historical context. And I, I understand because I, too, if I didn't know the facts, I might go along and say, oh, yes, he's a bad man, etc., etc." So I respond to this in the face of history, in historical context. I don't respond to this with a knee-jerk um, uh, uh, um, disposition, you know, because I know how deceptive the USA is. They are, it, it, this is... It's not, it's not about Putin trying to be a big man. If anything, it's the U.S. who's trying to extend their hegemony over the world. And most people are not aware of this. And I also want to just bring to people's um, attention. I remember when, um, and this is not a plot for, 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 um, for, 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 what do you call it? So, what's his name? Um, I have no idea. Um, I'm not, Trump. I'm not a Trump supporter. It's just that I don't like them using them as a scapegoat. When Trump said it would be good for Russia to be and the U.S. to get along, everybody was against it, you know? And I, I even came on your show and I said, hey, two big, um, they call it powers, two, two, two nuclear powers, they should get along. But people were so insistent on destroying Trump and they were so mad at him that they didn't care. They were ready to cut off their nose to spite their face. So I don't know why people are getting nervous now when, you're, when they were stroking the, the Russian drum, you know, anti-Russian drum and anti-Putin drum, you know. And, and people keep talking about Putin. Putin has never broken any promise. The U.S. have broken so many promises. And, even, and, 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 and talking about uh, them interfering with the election, even they did. 
Now, no one has interfered with anybody's election like the U.S. And the U.S. interfered with Russian affairs much more than, than, than Russia ever interfered yes, with but, but that doesn't prove anything. You know, you could say, well, Putin hasn't done that. You have no proof that he has <laughs> never <laughs> done this or he has all never proof, done that. All the, proof, all the proof is about the... Maybe one, one, one breach that Putin committed against the USA. I'm sure you cannot name one. And I, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean it in terms of... I know, I know, I know. But at the same time, you are adamant in your position, which yes. I appreciate. But you're not talking about how you feel. Look. In an oblique way, I am speaking about how I feel. In the sense yeah, that I oblique am... is not good. Oblique is not good. Okay, let, let me go come at it in an hour. Here's a good thing. Here's a good thing. We have tomorrow. Okay. So, you could come back tomorrow, and as I say... You can make it plain tomorrow, too. Yeah, I think a lot of what I said was plain today, though. If people really were digging on what I'm saying, you know, in terms of the historical context, you know. Yeah, they're digging, but... Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. All right, tomorrow. <laughs> so, uh, that is a general announcement. We, we are coming back to this discussion tomorrow. And uh, maybe you have additional ideas or maybe you didn't get a chance to come on today but there's going to be room so that you can express yourself all right thank you so much for contributing today thank you for your very pointed analysis you took the assignment so seriously we were sitting in a lecture uh, and i was so proud to be on the receiving end of what you had to offer. Thank you so much. So we'll, we'll, we'll get together again tomorrow and talk some more. Bye-bye.